Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. It's hard to believe that this is season three. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in our foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, foster parents, and so many more. We're going to continue to bring you guests who will share how together as a community we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, it's hard to believe it has been three years since we started Fostering Change. I remember the very first episode and I thought, how can people do this? And then the next episode, a year went by, two years went by, and today I am so excited and I'm so happy because today is our 100th episode. We are starting on our season three of Fostering Change. And as I've said from the very beginning, this podcast is to educate our community, educate our community about what good humans are doing, what we're doing in the foster care system, what we're doing within our community, and knowing that our community is not our zip code, but it's our human race. You know, I had a choice of how many guests I wanted to have for my 100th episode. And there was a show that my daughter, and you all know that I talk about my daughter Amaya quite often. And my daughter Amaya, her and I were having a conversation and um, we started talking about a show, you know, the show called The Fosters. Um, Most of you have seen it. I can't imagine anyone that hasn't seen The Fosters. But what I loved about this show is that having a same-sex marriage, and having four children of color, and my husband and I being white, my daughter was able to look through the TV screen and see a family like hers, like hers. You know, I find that so, so important that we as humans give good examples. And this is what families look like. So ladies and gentlemen, for those who are tuning in on your favorite podcast platform, or maybe you're watching us on our YouTube channel, I am happy to announce and happy to invite our 100th episode, our 100th guest, and welcome Joanna Johnson. Joanna, you are amazing, by the way, because you brought us the Fosters. Well, thank you. You're very kind. Um, I want to give credit here where credit is deserved. Um, so Peter Page and Brad Bradwick wrote the pilot for the Fosters, uh, their writing team, and they came up with the idea. And then they needed someone to come in and run the show. And uh, I remember my wife had had noticed um, in, a, in, in some, you know, maybe the variety or something. She said, Freeform's got this show, this pilot that they're making with two moms with, you know, adopted and fostered children. And of course, that's our story. And uh, she said, um, uh, why don't you write that? And, and I said, well, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I never thought that they'd make a show like that. You know, I just didn't know that, that you know, that, that they'd put a show with two moms on the air. And um, then shortly after, I got a phone call saying, we're looking for a showrunner. Um, and would you come into this show? And, you know, I read the script and I saw the pilot. And I just knew I had another offer to do something else, but I just knew that this was special. And when was I going to get the opportunity in my life to write my story? And, you know, I'm so grateful to Peter and Brad for, um, 
for, for having the courage to come up with the idea in the first place. And, you know, it's been amazing when people come to you and say, what you just said, you know, I got to see myself reflected on your show. You know, I didn't, I'd never seen a family like mine and, and people who, you know, have said to us, I was against uh, gay people, uh, you know, LGBTQ people adopting until I saw your show, or I was against uh, gay marriage, you know, until I saw your show. And that's really, really so um so moving and really makes everything we do worth it and all the hard work worth it you know and you're exactly what you just said i've i've heard that quite often you know when when my book came out of forever family and people read it um i actually had a neighbor who came across the street and and he said he said um i was the first one to vote against gay marriage and he says and i read your story and i met your kids and he said and i realized i was wrong and that your family is just like my family, you know? And so as, as I, as I watch these, and by the way, my daughter and I, um, we have watched the episodes quite a few times. Um, we binged watched it twice during COVID, um, you know, and we can't get enough, but then, um, there's a new show, a runoff, um, Good Trouble that, you know, by the way, um, my daughter comes running downstairs and she's like, dad, they, they didn't stop. And so she was really excited. So, so what made you, did you decide to run that show continuing because you, you know that kids need to see other kids like our kids? You know, I'll, I'll tell you honestly how that, how that kind of happened was the network had made a bad Netflix deal on the Fosters and they didn't, they really didn't want to, to cancel the show. They didn't want to stop it. Um, I would have loved to have done another season or two, but um, they financially just didn't make sense. They were losing a bunch of money on, on it. And they said, but we want to keep going. You know, you know, we love this team and, and we love what you guys are doing and the way you tell stories. You know, would you be interested in doing a spinoff and taking just a couple of the kids? And um, it, it made sense to us to take Mariana and, and Callie um, you know, the sisters and, uh, and then grow them up, you know, so that we could get past college and bring them to, uh, downtown Los Angeles, where they're both starting their lives, you know, their post-college lives, first careers, you know, first place living together. That's not a dorm or at home and just a lot of wonderful firsts, which is sort of the brand of free form in some ways. And, um, we had the idea of them living in the coterie, which was a communal living space, because, you know, when I was writing the pilot for Good Trouble, I was having mourn. I was really mourning the loss of the Fosters. You know, I was just devastated, you know, about, you know, the show. And I, I directed the last couple of episodes of the Fosters. And what I loved is that iconic family dinner table. You know, I loved all those scenes. And I thought, we've got to have a dinner table in this new show. And that's when this idea of a communal living situation came up. So we could still have a family. So to me, it's still a family show, but it's about the family you choose, the family you make after you leave home, your adult friend's family. And um, it felt thematically like the right thing to do. And then, you know, luckily we, we found amazing actors, a great ensemble. And um, we're just now starting our fourth season. Um, we've made 50 episodes yeah, we, we made 154 Foster's episodes and now we're making, we've made 50 and we're making 18 more of Good Trouble. 
Wow. Wow. You know, and you, you, you made the comment about, you know, making your family, you know, I, I say that quite often to my kids, you know, um, I believe that, that families are made through unconditional love and, you know, you might not agree all the time and, you know, but as long as you love unconditionally and we have that table moment, by the way, we have it every night. And it's for me as a kid who grew up in the foster care system, that wasn't something that I experienced. And so I say all the time to my husband, there's only one thing I ever ask for, and that's that we all sit down at the dinner table together um, every night. And no matter how late it has to be or how early it has to be, because we have a son that's, you know, in college that he's taking online classes, I said, we have to sit at the dinner table. Do you find that in your family as well, that you enjoy those moments? We, I was just listening to you and I was thinking, God, I'm just so jealous and I love that you've done that. We are the worst about sitting at the table. We all sort of eat at different times. Our kids eat different things. You know, we, we, we try to play games and do that at the table and we try to sit down at the table. Neither one of our kids are big eaters. They don't really like the ritual of, of eating dinner. And actually growing up, there was, to, to me, our dinner table was dramatic so I think that's part of it too. I was, I'm like, oh, I don't want to go back there. But I just love that on the Fosters. And I love that your family does that. I think it's so important. And, and I feel like a bit of a failure that we don't. <laughs> no failure whatsoever. <laughs> no failure. So you actually, you and your wife actually have two kids. Um, yeah. and so um, how, do you mind if I ask how old they are? Not at all. Um, our son is 15 and our daughter is 11. And it was an open adoption. Um, and so we knew their birth uh, parents, the, well, their birth mothers. Um, and we um, were in the room when they were born and, you know, brought them home with us. And um, yeah, so it's, um, you know, I, I wrote this line in the Fosters. Um, Lena says, DNA doesn't make a family, love does. And um, it was funny because one of my partners wanted to cut it. And I said, no, no, we're not cutting that line. I think that's an important line. And it's become an iconic line, but it's like you were saying, it's, it's, it's not, it's not DNA. It's love. It's unconditional love. And, you know, we really feel like our kids know their stories. Um, but we feel it's our story as a family, not just theirs, we, that we are an adoptive family. And we also, um, we feel meant to be, we feel like spiritually, uh, this was the family we were meant to, to, to travel together, yeah. you know? So we, we really, I really believe that. I believe your children come to you in all different ways. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, I was telling you earlier, you know, my, all four of our children came through the foster care system and, um, you know, my husband and I, we lived in DC and we thought we would be that cute gay couple with one kid, you know, in the expensive stroller. Um, and it didn't end up like that. Instead, we ended up with four kids within three months. Um, and, you know, it was life changing for us. But I can't but, imagine, you know, watching the fosters with my daughter and um, and as my other sons had walked into the room and of course, I only have one girl. So, of course, she is the princess that everybody would think she would be. But as I was watching it, I thought about me as a young boy growing up where I had no role models of what being a gay man was, you know, and then to be a gay man and have children of color. You know, I say this quite often. I'm a white privileged male. You know, I will never, never, ever know what my four boys go through. Um, what did it feel like the first time you watched the show with your kids? Um, to be honest, they have not seen the show. 
Um, really? Yeah, they haven't. Um, I didn't think it was. I, th I think my son can watch it now. Right. I didn't. I wasn't sure that at Harlow at eleven is ready to watch it because there's a lot of adult stuff that goes on. But um, I I want them to start watching it now. I think they're ready to watch it. You know, they're not that interested in Hollywood or what I you know do. And I'm like, you know, you know, my show's on, and they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, um, they're wonderful kids and they're just amazing. But um, I have not watched it with them. But I I really think we should we should watch it. You know, they really see their life as so normal, you know, they don't. And even though, you know, in their schools, we have in, in both of their classes, we've been the only gay parents um, in, in their classes. And, and many times the only adopted family in their classes, but they don't seem to see themselves as other or different. At least they're not expressing that yet or now, you know, they don't really talk about it. And you know what, they're at that age where they will, they will be doing that. You know, my youngest is 12. I'm, I'm like you very much where I don't know if it's age appropriate yet for him, but for, you know, my 14 year old and my 17 year old and even my 20 year old, you know, they need to sit down and watch it. You know, yes. listen, we're going to take a quick break. Um, you know, again, everyone, um, our hundredth episode and I could not be any luckier um, to have the guests that I have today. Um, you know, each and every one of us have an opportunity and the opportunity is to tell our story, to tell our story. And whether you're able to tell your story on a big screen or just tell your story at the dinner table, tell your story. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. So we're back. And yes, again, it is the 100th episode of Fostering Change. And, you know, I didn't think that I would get to this day, but I can't wait to actually get to 200 and 300. This is so enjoyable. And what I love about it is the fact of how much we all learn. You know, Joanna, the one thing I have a question about is um, the show being called The Fosters, and there's a lot of dealing with foster care. Um, did you actually have people on the set that was helping, you know, everyone making sure that the, the language was put out there correctly about foster care? Yeah, we always have consultants. It's really important to me um, to, to get it right. And so we have consultants and the network also runs everything by their own consultants. So we wanted to make sure that we understood this process, you know, and that and that we were able to show some of the issues that that are facing, you know, uh, you know, kids in foster care and and, you know, also, you know, the challenges to the, of the system that is far from perfect. And of course, I'm sure that you can speak to that as well. And I didn't know your personal story. And it's interesting on Good Trouble. We're doing a story about a kid who aged out of foster care and it was living has been living on the streets for 10 years. Um, and we're doing a story about uh, the actor Boo Boo Stewart, um, who the young kids would, would know from The Descendants and also Twilight movies. 
he's playing the part and I'm really excited about that, but I'm really wanting to, you know, because we haven't Malika on good trouble. She's also a former uh, foster kid who also aged out. Um, But um, there's just not a lot of support for, for kids when they age out of the system and it's a real problem. And, you know, I know Maxine Waters is trying to get an initiative passed in Los Angeles uh, to fund a place that helps um, career pathways for foster youth. Um, and there's an organization that I give to called A Sense of Home, where they try to help um, foster youth set up, get their homes and set up furniture. And, and I actually I don't know, know the founder, so I know exactly... Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for giving to that organization. Yeah, Thank I know those, I know those two girls and women and they're amazing. I'm really impressed with what they've done. And, um, but you know, there's a lot of people that I think before I did this show and before we adopted our children, I didn't know, I had no idea what foster care was all about. I didn't, you know, it's a real, I think those children are very invisible in our society. We don't know how broken that system is. And yeah. how much how much we need to um, to focus on on really caring for these forgotten children. And and you're exactly right. I mean, these are the kids who are invisible, and and society really looks as, at them as disposable. And you know, when when we hear the statistics where only fifty four percent of kids in foster care actually graduate from high school actually graduate from high school that's it and that we know that 80 percent of our prison population have either been touched or in foster care the only thing the system has done and to correct you the system is not broken the system is shattered it is absolutely shattered and when things are shattered they must be rebuilt you know and i look at the fact that you know for me as a kid who grew up in the system and to be a senior in high school and to have to live on the streets as i went to school every single day the only thing i wanted was to get an education because i knew and by the way i'm the youngest of 10 kids and i and the, my brothers and sisters had already fallen to the wayside and i just was like i had to, i had to do more and what i say to people all the time is that these kids are our future. They're our future. You know, they don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They belong to us. And it's mm-hmm. so important that we invest in them. And, and knowing what, you know, Maxine Waters is, is trying to do, the thing that I say to people is that if we do not invest in these children today, you will invest in them tomorrow because you will do exactly what we continue to do, which is build more prisons, to build more prisons. And it's not because these kids are bad. It's because we give them no other direction. You know, I, I say this, you know, they give foster parents a stipend every month. And I've always said, I, I can't understand why we don't take part of that stipend and put it in an interest bearing savings account for when these children do age out, that they have yeah. a net. Mm-hmm. They have a net, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. It, something as easy as that, that, you know, and, and then, you know, I also think that giving a child an opportunity to have further education. And by the way, that doesn't mean a four-year college. Um, It can be a trade school. You know, I think companies have a moral responsibility to step up and also help help these kids, you know. Um, You you know, one of the things that that I absolutely loved about the show and is it, it just, it was, and again, this comes from someone from the system, it was very real. Um, in so many things. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for 
you know, um, I, I, I was, I'm very fortunate to know someone who, who recently had a movie about two years ago um, about foster care. And I remember when, when the movie came out and, um, and it was a comedy. And I remember, you know, talking to him and saying, how could anyone ever think that this anything's funny about foster care? Well, I saw that movie and it was funny. And, and, and it made me think of episodes of that you had um, where, you know, it's not always bad, but you brought a lot of light into that as well. Yeah, I mean, I always want to bring comedy and lightness and, and you know, into the shows that we do. And and the moms were so loving, you know, and, and you know, people always tell us, would say, you know, gosh, I, they're the best moms. I want moms like that. And I'm like, those kids got into a lot of trouble if you think about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if my kids got into like a, a fraction of that much trouble, because we're dramatizing, you know, I'd be like, I don't know. But they were, they were loving. And, you know, and I think that's every child just wishes for loving parents, you know, and, and then there is humor. There are, there is, you know, there's also humor in like having that many kids, as you know, very well, uh, you know, all in your house at once, you know, close to the same ages. I mean, that's, that's a lot of fun messiness. Oh, it's a lot of, and it's a lot of groceries as well, my friend. Oh my you made the comment about your kids weren't really big into the eating thing or the ritual thing. Let me tell you, having um, four teenage boys right now, it's, I mean, we can't keep enough cereal and enough milk within the house. I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, I just can't imagine, like, you know, it's, I, I'm just, I admire you so much. And, you know, it's, it's a joy. It's a joy to, to, to raise these kids, but it's hard too. Oh, it's hard. It's, and, and, it's hard. And you know what? You guys portrayed it in the show exactly right. I mean, these kids come with baggage. Um, you know, first of all, they come in a system because of a choice someone else made. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my children have everything from fetal alcohol syndrome to, you know, um, I have a child that has reactive attachment disorder. So they do come with the baggage. And the thing that, that my husband and I always say is that, you know, we didn't have a choice if they would have been born from us, whether they, you know, maybe the fetal alcohol part we would have not had an issue with, but, you know, you just never know. And being a parent is probably one of the greatest things that could ever, ever, ever happen to me because yeah. the only thing I ever wanted was to be a dad. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that way too. I always wanted to be a mom. And I always tell people it's the, it's the hardest, greatest thing you'll ever do. <laughs> just the best, but, but also challenging, you know, it's getting easier as they get a little older, but you know, you also want to, you want so much for your children and um, you know, and, and every child comes with, with their challenges and you, you know, we all want to protect them. We, we don't want them to suffer at all. And, and you know, we all want them to have a perfect childhood. And of course that's not realistic. Everybody has their own, has their challenges. So the best you can do is to give them love, you know, yeah. and, and, and build their self-esteem, you know, so that they, they, they will take care of themselves if they love themselves. No. And, and, you know, I always say to my kids, I just want them to be good humans um, you know, maybe they're not getting the, the best grades that I want them to get at times, or maybe just, just be a good human, just be a good human. You know, um, I got my last question for you is how did COVID affect you as someone who's, you know, you're going to a studio all the time, all of a sudden you're home now, um, or you're, you're, everything is opening back up in, in your area, but, you know, being home with your two children nonstop, how, how was that? 
I, I've spent so much time outside of the house working. I, I liked being home. And um, I'd like to be able to go downstairs and see them doing their classwork just to say hello in the day. We could see each other or we could cross paths. And, it, you know, it, it wasn't hard for our family. We were incredibly blessed, though, because I worked the entire time. And we did. I did 19 episodes of of The Trouble last season and last year. And also I did a I did a, a, a short uh, special, a four episode special called Love in the Time of Corona um which was which is on hulu and um so i worked a lot i was really busy and we really figured out how to do it remotely i have utmost respect and and admiration for my my incredible crew who and the actors who went on set and had to deal with all the protocols we didn't have to shut down we didn't have anybody get 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 you know we didn't have any serious positive um positive results so that was amazing and chris sakani who's my my producing partner is a genius and she just makes everything happen. Um, so it wasn't really hard. You know, it, what was hard is like, they didn't get the best, they didn't get the best years for them. That was what was hard. They missed out on socialization and they, and it wasn't the best, you know, I think the schools did as best they could, but they didn't get a full experience. You know, they, they didn't probably get all the learning that we had hoped. And so I feel for the kids, it was a real, I think it's you know harder for them than us. No, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, we have five kids at five different schools and they were being taught five different ways. And my husband, who's a stay-at-home dad, um, I don't know how he did it. And um, because like you, I, I stayed busy. I stayed, but what you just said, the things they missed, my son's graduation, you know, it was Zoom graduation. And I always say my son is 20 years old. I say to him, I only had one regret. And that I, that was that I didn't get to hold his hand and walk him into kindergarten um, because he arrived at the age of 18. And then I thought I was going to be able to see him walk down the aisle for graduation. Instead, we sat in our conference room um, and watched a graduation on Zoom. So you're right. They did miss out. They missed out a lot. Yeah, we were lucky. Our kids weren't at any seminal point you know, so we were very lucky, but I just feel so much for the kids who didn't get to have graduation and didn't yeah. get to have, you know, prom or whatever those things that you look forward to those, those really, you know, like you said, seminal events and things you share with your family, you know, the pride of, of graduating with your family there in the audience. Yeah. And fingers crossed, we are tr- starting to get, cause my daughter's now a senior in high school. And I, you know, I said, I, I just can't imagine going through another year where I don't get to see one of my babies walk across the stage. Well, listen, Joanna, you have been absolutely amazing. I am so, so thrilled that I got to meet you, that I got to know more about you. And thank you for making good TV. You know, it's really hard to find shows that we can sit as a family and that we can really talk about. But the fact that you did a show um, that showed my family, you know, of what I look like, what I live every single day, um, it means more than I can ever, ever say. So thank you. Um, Listen, everybody, it it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope you're as excited as I was for our 100th episode. Um, If you haven't, and I can't believe you haven't, but if you haven't, um, you can watch all the episodes of The Fosters and then jump over and watch all the episodes of Good Trouble. It is good TV. And the thing that I love is exactly what Joanna said. Not everybody knew about foster care. 
Not everyone knows about the fact that same-sex couples are just like all the other couples. We love, we laugh, we cry. And the fact is, is that we only want what each and every one of us want. And that is to know we matter. We matter. Take care, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.